Hey, one quick thing before we get started. I just want to remind you that this podcast is for information, education, and entertainment. It is not a substitute for therapy or therapeutic interventions. If you find yourself in crisis, please visit your local emergency room or contact a crisis hotline. Hey everyone, it's LaShonda from Labors of Love, and you're listening to the Labors of Love podcast. It's just me today. No, not just me. It's me. Today, I am the special guest, and um, I think today I just want to talk pretty explicitly about um, the recent journey I've been going through. I'm calling this podcast, normally podcasts don't get named until after they're recorded. Kind of like if you've ever written a paper and then you have to write an abstract or record a film and you have to write the, you know, what's the promotion going to say? So usually we name podcasts after they're done because we know what we talked about after we've talked about it. But I named this one um, sitting in the car waiting to get waiting for my nail appointment. And it's called Miracles, Signs, and Wonders because, well, that's what I've been experiencing lately. And I, I've i alluded to um, and maybe spoken to some parts of the journey I've been going through. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to take some time to just really share some things. Um, there has been, to say there's been a significant personal and spiritual transformation feels minimalistic. Um, Something has shifted. Some things have shifted within me um, in a way that I'm really excited about. I was at a gathering um, with part of my village and we did this cool activity where you think musical chairs, but each person has a question and music plays and you just dance just it was it was so amazing to be in a space where we prioritized or where joy and fun and laughter and movement were all prioritized as one so music is playing and you just dance around and then when the music stops whatever person you're closest to is the person that you ask your question to and then they ask you theirs then you actually change uh, uh, exchange questions and then you do it over again And one of the questions that I was asked was, when was the last time you were really excited about something? And as I thought about it, I thought right now, I am so excited to walk out the life I've been walking towards. (laughs) And that's where I find myself now. I find myself walking in and walking through and walking out the life that I've been walking towards. Well, in some ways my whole life, but if I want to put some bookends on this particular transformation, I'm going to start it back in January of 2021. If you go back and listen to some of the podcasts and therapy Thursdays from 2021, this is when, excuse me, I've been going through what I call the slowdown, 
Um, I felt I was, uh, it was the beginning of my divorcing process with urgency, slow down, turned into be still. I realized that stillness was not something that I was very comfortable in or with. And then um, I got to ease, ease being an acronym for ease, um, abundance, soar, and elevate. And I would say I'm still under that umbrella in some way, but uh, earlier this year in the spring, my, um, my business exploded. Okay. Um, There was just some point where I looked at my calendar and I had eight new client consultations in one week to be clear. I, before that, was averaging three or four a month. I had eight new client consultations in a week. <laughs> and I remember being so freaked out, like, what in the world is going on? It got to the point, it was so overwhelming, I had to take new client consultations off of my website. Because I, within literally a two to three week span my, my practice completely filled there. There just wasn't any reasonable room because at that point people were coming, but they were coming and they were ready to work. So it wasn't just people were coming in, booking a session, people were coming and they were booking six sessions out. And I was booked for weeks, at least six weeks in advance. Um, and I had gone through the divorcing, of urgency. I had things in place. Um, and so it, it, it felt overwhelming in concept, but it, I actually walked it out with a fair amount of grace and, um, curiosity with myself. So that was going on. I'm doing the thing now in the midst of all of this, I will say that, um, over the last year, like I've started, I went through a nine month cohort for somatic abolitionism with Resma Minicum and the um, education for racial equity. And that was awesome. And since then, and then um, I am currently in coaching for healing justice and liberation program. And in between those two things, I did this five-month journey with Amber McZeal on decolonizing the psyche. So there were just all of these things that were feeding me and unlocking things. And it's been a fantastic journey. And then a few months ago, so I don't know, I, I guess I want to say around June or so, as quickly as my schedule blew up, it dried up. And there, there is literally no, um, no logical explanation that I have for this. I can say that people were working very diligently and hard. And my goal obviously is to work myself. I don't want to say obviously, but it's obvious to me, work myself out of a job. I love people. I have people who've been journeying with me for years and I have people who come for a much shorter season. And so it wasn't just like, people stopped coming, I guess. I guess a lot of people had found a lot of what they needed. <clears throat> but <laughs> it when I say it dried up, 
so then I went to like three clients in a week and I haven't had only three clients in a week since like I first, first started my practice. So during this time, I'm, I'm open. There is an openness, a curiosity that I try to, a posture of curiosity that I try to assume at all times to say, okay, I, I wonder what's happening. I'm curious about what's happening, not making any value judgments about them. And what seemed like it was going to be, maybe it was just this week or, you know, the summertime people have vacations and stuff and it, it, it's lasted. Well, yeah, I can say it's lasted until now. And one of the big significant things when your calendar dries up for me is my money dried up. I also um, didn't have, I usually have some, some, some recurring contracts that I've had over the last few years um, working in maybe school districts with organizations and things that, that did not renew. And it's not that we had conversations about it or anything. People like there was a radio silence. <laughs> and so I, that's where I've been. And the amazing thing about, um, <clears throat> about this process is that it, okay. The way I've described it is, and I, no disrespect to any lawyers, if this doesn't feel, um, like if this isn't accurate to your experience, but I, I call, I've been calling this the bar exam <laughs> and I reunited with some friends um, that I was close with several years ago today, actually. And we got to see each other. And one of the young ladies who was just a teenager back when we first met has now graduated from law school. And legit, I learned something that I was like, I've been calling it the bar exam. And this is so accurate, which is part of what I want to share with y'all. Just trust. Okay. So anyway, <clears throat> this is going to feel squirrely and all over the place. So bear with me because that's just what it is. Right. So what I found out about the bar exam, what, okay. When I first started calling it the bar exam, what I was thinking was at some point people go to law school, but there is this exam that I knew that they had to take, which, um, required them to put everything they've learned into this exam and then someone would determine if they knew enough to become a lawyer <laughs> that's what I was thinking well I learned um, the young lady I know took her bar exam in like I think they said June and she ain't gonna get her results back until like November that's crazy what the heck are they doing where <laughs> people don't get their results back? Right. So, and I learned that everything that's on the bar exam, you don't necessarily learn in law school. So then there's this extra work you have to do after law school to like learn about things that may not be in the specialty area you're going into, but it's required to pass the bar. And once I learned about that, I'm like, man, some of this is coming to me. For the record, most things that come out of my mouth come to me at the moment they're coming out of my mouth. I don't know if I've shared that about how my gift works, but some things I've thought about, but some things are coming. And, and this, this, this is kind of fresh out that like how I've learned a lot of things in quote unquote school, the school of life. And this last few months has felt like the drought that was necessary 
for me to take the bar. <laughs> like, um, you can't, I can't say that I was distracted by a lot of work. <clears throat> I wanted work. And the financial piece was the piece that had the, the most capacity to distract me and take me out. Um, at one point, I described this like a boutique. When a boutique um, is getting in new inventory, it has to get rid of its old inventory in order to make room. So that's what it kind of felt like. Maybe these clients dried up to make room for the new clients that I'm going to be getting. During this time, I went through a multi-month process that started before the drought, but ended during the drought, where I went through the process of raising my rates. Um, My rates had to be raised for several reasons. And one of the most important was I wasn't charging enough money to sustain my life and my business. And so in working with my CPA, you know, looking at literally how much money do I have to make? in order for myself and my family to, for this to be sustainable. I worked with my spiritual director to help me address some of the limiting beliefs. I worked with coaches, like uh, therapists, like I I had my whole crew um, because I got all those things, y'all. Okay. Um, Coach, spiritual director, um, I got CPA, you know, I have a therapist. And so Um, I, I painstakingly went through the process of being very intentional about raising my rates. And so what that looked like was I had to one, really sit with my understanding of scarcity and abundance. And I had to look at how that has shifted over time. Um, the other thing I had to do was I had to redefine resource and for the longest money was resource. Now money is a resource, but when I thought of resources, it was the only resource that I thought about. Well, I was really to a point where I, I feel like I was kind of forced to think about resource differently because the only resource I knew dried up. And I want to be clear. I'm not talking about like, oh, it got a little tight. I'm talking about certified letters in the mail saying, (laughs) uh, pay us or, right? This is the point that I've gotten to. Um, Now, throughout all of this, I think it's important to note that what I did know with every part of me was that I had the option to go back. I had the option to go back to former beliefs and worldviews and behavioral patterns. Because when it comes down to it, I'm a hustler. If I got to make some money, I'm going to make some money. Um, I'm crafty. I'm witty. I'm talented. I am a lot of things. And if it came down to trading um, time for money, I got like there, it, it feel it's nothing for me to just go and do something. But what I knew was that I had not worked 18 months to establish the life that I wanted my wanted for myself to go back to the way it used to be, to go back to grind culture, to go back to all these things. And so I knew that. So as I began to redefine resource, I did for myself what I call a resource mission. 
So uh, early in my business, I created a mission statement for my life. I created a mission statement for my business. And I revisited those and they still held up. Like I, there was still a strong integrity to what I viewed my mission as in 2017, 2018, as what I do now. There's a little wording I would change, but by and large, it held up. So I created for myself a resource mission. And within that, I had to recognize that I have a lot of resources. I have time, I have energy, I have relationships, and I have, and there's money. And within that resource mission, I identified what abundance in each of those areas looked like and my mission to remain abundant. So what that helps me do is realize that if a gig fell through or someone didn't contact me, I could say, yeah, like there is a resource I'm not getting. I'm not getting money. But when I'm not getting money, there are other resources that I am. I am getting time, energy. How can I place that in relationships? And so that was very helpful for me, really redefining how I viewed abundance and resource. And that that became this key part. I realized that even with no money coming in or very little money coming in, I was still so abundant. And that began, I feel like to change me on a molecular level. Like it wasn't just about, you know, um, fake it till you make it, say it. I've done all that in many areas. Oh, this is, this is what you're supposed to think. Oh, I'll just say, this is what I think. I'll, I'll, I'll act like that until it becomes a real thing. But when I tell y'all that like something deep within me started to shift, it, it really started to shift. And the, the best way I can articulate this is peace. Y'all peace. I'm not saying there weren't moments of distress because there were, but by and large, there was this peace that I had in the face of it all that was startling. One way that I was articulating it a while ago, and I've probably said this numerous times on the podcast is my nervous system felt sturdy. Like the pits in my stomach and the accelerated heart rate and the rising temperature and the sweating, the ways my nervous system would articulate distress in the past, particularly around financial things, it wasn't happening anymore. And that's the thing about healing is sometimes you got to get used to healing. When you are used to um, making accommodations for ways in which you are not fully healed or whole, that just becomes the thing. It's like if you hurt your ankle or roll your ankle, you know, you walk with a limp. And at some point, that ankle might heal and it might not dawn on you to just walk regularly. You are compensating. That's the word I can think of. You're compensating by not placing weight on the the foot that was hurt sometimes even after it's healed. And that's, so I had to like have these moments where I realized that I was still, I was still compensating for parts of me that had healed. So it's important for me to also like define all of this as 
spiritual. Obviously, um, my income and livelihood is a very tangible, real thing, but all of this stuff is based in spirit. And for a, a mighty long time, I would say for the last four years, um, I I struggled to articulate even to myself how I would define the spiritual things that I was going through. And I finally found a way to describe it. Um, I can describe it. I haven't named it. I don't know that it needs a name, but some, I think when some people say these things, I would imagine this is kind of the equivalent that I'm going through a spiritual awakening um, or whatever. But what I've come to realize is that the Christianity that I was given was not full enough to contain my spiritual experiences and knowing. So as I'm growing up and I'm given Christianity, a very specific Christianity, a black church Christian experience, which falls under an umbrella of Protestantism, which falls under an umbrella of westernized uh, Christianity, which falls under what I consider a bigger umbrella than I'm going to just call white Jesus. And as I was growing up, I've been having deeply profound spiritual experiences since I was three or four years old. Um, and those experiences, there, there was never anyone I could talk to about those experiences, especially as a child. Um, when I was a child, I think it got framed under being afraid of the dark or um, I slept with my parents in some form or fashion until I was 14 years old. <laughs> That's old as hell. Thank God my kids are not still in my bed. Okay. 14 or in, in bed might be loose, like room proximity. Like there were these things. And so there was really no one I felt I could talk to about them, but I was, we would go to church and I would get some information. So what I would, what I realized I did was I would like chop up these spiritual experiences into bite-sized pieces and try to put them into the categories that I was given within the Christianity that I was given. And then I got to college and my spiritual experience broadened. I'm still under the same umbrellas, but all of a sudden there is a spirit realm that I'm introduced to. People are talking about that. It's like, oh, oh yeah. Well, I've been experiencing this and I've experienced that. I've done, I've, I've done deliverance ministries. I've done altar work. I've done a lot of things that made sense to me based on the spiritual experiences that I had. Um, and yet, and still, I got to a place recently over the last four years where even that expanded perspective, just, it wasn't enough to explain God. It wasn't enough to explain the divine. It was, it wasn't enough to, there were still all these things I was experiencing that did not have a category to fit in based on what I was given. 
And I remember talking with my spiritual director about this and I had never heard this. I don't know if we want to call it analogy or parable or story or whatever you want to call it, but it made sense. And the story she was saying and talked to me about was, um, I think it was four blind people and each blind person was placed on an elephant and they were placed on different parts of the elephant. So one was near the trunk and one was near an ear and one was in the middle and one was back near the tail. And they were told they were placed on an elephant. And after being on the elephant, each of the blind people were asked to describe an elephant. And each of them described the elephant based on the part of the elephant they had been placed. So for the one near the trunk, the ele- an elephant was long and had a thing that was wet at the end and it was loud, right? And that was a very different description than the one that was near the ear, the one that was in the middle, and the one was back near the tail. But they each thought they had the complete understanding of an elephant. And it did not dawn on them that they were only experiencing a part of the elephant. And that, that, that was it. There are things that I have experienced in my Black Christian church, Christianity experience that I would never want to, that can't be explained away. I didn't make it up. They're very real, real, real to me. And yet I recognize now that I, that is only a part and so there came a point where um, I said, I want to know you more fully. This is what I said. And I call God daddy. I want to know you more fully. This was like 2018. Um, I want to know you more fully because this can't be it. I was in the shower. I, I just don't believe this is it. And the thing about my gift is I hear spirit clearly. I thought everyone experienced it the way that I do. It was in college when I had my roommate and best friend who was just like, nah, homie. <laughs> the, the way I would explain, she's like, this is not how, how it is for everybody. So I've come to have a very personalized experience with the divine. And I'm like, I want to know you more fully. And I said, then be prepared to go to places and do things that you haven't done before. And that's the journey that I'm on. And, and so, but that's scary. That's scary because part of the Christianity I was given was fear-based. It's literally, hey, don't piss off God so you don't end up in hell. And when you are reared in that from a small age, also given the fact that we place attributes, personality traits, and all kinds of things on whatever we call God or higher power, based on the experiences that we've had with our first higher powers, which are our caregivers. When we are born, we are completely dependent, completely dependent. Leave a child by itself without any outside intervention. You have around 72 hours before that baby dies. So we view whoever those caregivers are and the attributes that they bring in our lives as omniscience and omnipotence and we take the experiences we've had here on earth with those caregivers and we apply them to our higher powers as I began to explore how much I always wanted to please my parents and not disappoint them um, I realized I attributed the same thing 
to this higher power. And it, it left out so many aspects that I've now come to fully sit in, like the desires of my heart really do matter. And they're not dictated based on um, my perception of uh, a God that is trying to control me like a robot or a puppet. But so, yeah, I'm, I'm going through that. I'm taking it in its paces. I'm, I'm doing the things. And then I get to a point this year where I begin to recognize how colonized so much of what I had been given was. And, and you know, we swim in the ocean of colonization. And so, so many things are, it just is. So as I have been very intentionally looking at how do I decolonize my thoughts, my actions, it only makes sense that that intersects with my spirituality. And as I began to look at all the things that I've been told, no, don't do that. Okay, I'm not saying you just hit a 180 and then you just go do all those things. But now I am pausing long enough to look at where did this come from? Where's the source? Did I actually track that source? And who benefits? Who benefits from from my constant belief in this thing and the way this needs to be done and who's being harmed by it? So all of this is happening in my world. And there came a point um, a few weeks ago, actually it was on September 6th, um, because that is my anniversary, my wedding anniversary. And we went out, it is the sixth, right? Yeah. Okay. My producer ain't even listening. Nine, five, it's the fifth (laughs) that happens. Yes. The fifth. Not that, yeah, I just like the sixth. That doesn't sound right. So the fifth. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, I was getting ready to go out to dinner with my husband, and y'all know I got words for days, but I I was coming up short with ways to really articulate what I was feeling. But I just kept saying, I feel like I'm passing a point of no return. I feel like I'm passing a point of no return. That's when I came up with the bar exam. Like, I feel like at this point, it's like demonstrate all the, every, all the knowledge is there. Everything I need to learn is here. I've, I've, I've been given access to the, to the stuff. Now I got to walk it out. And when I meant by a point of no return was throughout this journey, if I were to say going back to you know, just uh, January of 2021, there would always come a point where I would return to a former belief or thought process or behavioral pattern or attitude. And the more time passed, I would recognize it in a quicker uh, time frame, And then I would be like, oh, wait, oh, I've returned. Nope, I don't have to do that anymore. I don't have to do what I've always done. And I would, you know, reestablish the posture of whatever. Oh, I've slipped back in a scarcity. Didn't realize I'd done that. Now that I recognize it, nope. You know, reestablish, move back into abundance. And it just felt like I was getting ready to cross a threshold, cross that threshold where there wouldn't be going back because I would cross a point where returning to those old things was no longer a thing. That's when I would say that, behold, old things have passed away, Right. The I am a new creature. I I am new in this way. And so 
I sat with that. That was a Tuesday. Um, <laughs> then it was like, uh, I, and through my coaching program, which is amazing, I'm, I'm going to be doing some, yeah, some awesome guests that I know I'm going to be having later on. Um, so y'all can get introduced, introduced to some of the amazing people that I am villaging and community in and community with, but there came a point where, um, and I've shared this in some capacity, I kept thinking about myself 10 years ago, 10 years ago, my life, um, completely turned upside down. And I said, if I showed a video of myself to myself 10 years ago, if I showed a video of myself right now, if I let myself 10 years ago, listen to this podcast, she wouldn't believe she, she didn't have the capacity to believe that the life I have was hers. So I go back and I, I just, what would I say to her? I would say, stay the course, stay the course. And so I said, Hey, I am inviting future me. Hey girl, 10 years in the future, come back. What you got to say to me? And, and not only was it stay the course, but that is where I learned the words that I was given. Cause I asked, I said, look, daddy, I want to hear from you evoke. I, 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 I want to be in constant communication with you, my ancestors, you know, I am a huge fan of, and I, I don't read much, <laughs> but, um, I really do, uh, like reading the alchemist. It's a book that you can read over and over again. Cause depending on where you are in your life, it'll speak to you differently, but I've always held, um, to this idea that when you want something, all the universe conspires to help you achieve it. And so I'm like, I want to be in connection with all of that. And that's when I realized that I am fire. Those are the words I was given. I am fire. I bring warmth, clarity, and light. Um, and that has been this reinvigorating knowing. And my spiritual director and I met around it and I appreciate her encouragement to not try to define that based on what I think it means, but being open for the giver of the purpose to give me what that means. And so I'm in this space. I learned that I am light. That happened in like that week. Then um, I got to a point where <laughs> I had a hair appointment on a Friday, Thursday. I was like texting my, um, my stylist like, yo, I need a drastic change. I need something drastic on the outside to really just, I, and it wasn't to signal to anybody else. That's clear. I wanted to look in the mirror and see something different as different outside as all the differences that were happening. So then I cut all my hair off. That's great. Then Tuesdays, I meet with one of my sisters, my friends, my, my tribes woman, and we meet and we just nourish each other. And I don't even remember what was said but I finally found the words that I couldn't find on my anniversary. And that was, I am free. I am free. And there was just something like I stepped into that liberation in a way that I, I just can't describe it. It, it kind of reminds me of um, <laughs> um, the last dragon. This is one of those, if you know, you know. <laughs> The Last Dragon, where Bruce Lee Roy, Roy recognizes, um, you know, that that whatever, what did he recognize? Like it was in him, you know, that's kind of what the movies do. And he started to glow, got that glow, 
Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> yeah if you ain't seen the last dragon like do yourself a favor um but it yeah i that's the molecular level y'all something just shifted now here's the thing i had been in a constant state of liberating over years my life but what i realized is some of those things were some of the shackles were being unlocked some of the chains were being released but i was still standing amongst the chains And what I did that Tuesday was I stepped out from amongst the chains. Not that they, they weren't all still locked, right? It's not this moment where I was wrapped up and I couldn't move and I was bound in chains and then I just, and they broke off. No, a lot of them had been unlocked, but they were just resting down at my ankles. And the freedom I took was I stepped out from amongst the chains. I am free. And then this, this interesting thing started to happen where every day for about two weeks, until a few days ago, (laughs) I would wake up in the morning, open my eyes. And before my feet would hit the ground, I would wonder, am I still free? I would almost be afraid or anxious that the chains had found me, that I would be wrapped back up in something. And That went on for a little while. And then I began to realize that part of the reason that I kept thinking that that freedom could be taken from me was because I thought it had been given to me. I was treating it like someone had gifted me liberation instead of I had worked my ass off for liberation. I had cried and sweated and prayed and worked and healed trauma and fought demons. Like I, I was treating it like someone gave me the freedom and that's not it. No, I worked for that freedom. So I sat with that for a minute. I said, Ooh, that's powerful. If someone gave it to me, then they might just take it away at any point. And I said, no, if I worked for it, they can't come take it. But then I had to pause. I had to pause and reflect on, well, why is this coming up? And here it is. I Now, again, I, I this, this is my podcast. I just talk and talk and talk. And I hope that something I've said um, along the lines, you've already, it's already resonated with you. But this is for somebody. Listen to me. There is a logic there. It makes sense that you feel what you feel. That doesn't make it real, but too often we have been taught to discredit, disbelieve, and and ignore the things that are coming up. So it almost became this thing where if I wasn't careful, it could turn into, girl, what's wrong with you? You earned that. Why are you feeling like that? That's foolish. You know what? Then I had to put some respect on that feeling and say, it's not foolish. Do you know why? Because in my DNA, I know that freedom has been taken. My ancestors' freedom, the freedom they had, they were stolen and they were brought here and their freedom was taken. And when... When they were courageous enough to flee their bondage 
and they arrived to a certain point that had been defined as freedom, there was an entire system called policing that was put in place to take them back. Within this same system, people who even under the system of bondage who were declared free, people who were declared free under the system of bondage could still be snatched up by this system and brought back and put in chains when they were never in chains before. So I had to get to a point where I stopped doing this thing that psychology does. And I'm speaking this because I'm in the field. You know, this ain't talking crap about, no, I'm I'm dead smack in the middle of it. You know, I've talked about how I don't diagnose and at the root of it is this psychology itself pathologizes the individual which allows the systems to remain in place without without anybody even looking at them so i imagine that typically if i went to some therapist or psychologist with what i just said my freedom being taken away they might look at something like imposter syndrome Or they look at something, you know, I have to change my mindset. I got to look at my limiting beliefs. When it's like, hold the hell up. No, this is coming up because the the resilience and the trauma and the ancestral knowing that gets passed down intergenerationally says, girl, they might come and put you back in bondage. So that was pivotal for me. It was pivotal for me to realize that the wisdom of my parts, the parts of me that are present because of the various experiences that I've been through, but also that are carried down generation after generation. It ain't just crazy. It's not nonsense. It's there for a reason. And so that was pivotal because now it makes me even more um, determined to make sure when I'm working with people as individuals and couples and relationships and families, that it's not just about here is your singular problem. We got to look at how the system is impacting our beliefs and our worldviews around these things. So now that I've been able to do that and I've been able to recognize and acknowledge that that's a real thing, those parts of me that are like, girl, are we still free? Now that I can recognize where it's coming from and I had to reach back beyond my lived experience to find that, now I can say, oh, thank you. Thank you for letting me know where you're coming from. And then I can give them some, I I I can speak to them in a way that is not dismissive. What's wrong with you? No, I can like, that's real. That's real, but I can bring them up to date because that ancestral knowing that is rooted in a past time has no context for today's time. And I get to bring them present. And y'all, I'm still free. Every day, every day I wake up free. And it's an amazing feeling that I'm still getting used to it. And it's manifesting in so many ways. I haven't thought about my body in so long. Some of the free, and here's the thing about how this freedom is working. It's not like, it's, it's, a, it's a hindsight thing a lot of times. It'll be me recognizing that I'm responding differently or doing something differently than I would have. Now, what I mean is I, I am probably more embodied than I have ever been in my life. 
that I take moments that I recognize my breath. I listen to my body. I'm trying to nourish my body. Well, I hydrate and sleep, but I used to think about my body all day, every day. And what I would think about is how does it look in my clothes? Is it taking up too much space? Does it look fat? How's my skin? I use all the time, almost obsessed with it. And when I realized I thought about my body in a long time, freedom, freedom, all the stresses that were coming around all the financial stuff. I had a peace because my abundance was beyond that. Now I'm not trying to be like, I don't need money. I need money. (laughs) I needed to live just like everybody else. But once I got to that point where I, I stood the ground, I'm not going back to these old ways and I have peace. All of a sudden I'm waiting on a check that's going to cover all that stuff that has gone unpaid for months. Right. So that freedom. So when I talk about miracle sign and signs and wonders, I think this is the, this example right here, it gives me chills. Um, and I'm going to share it because it's not, yeah, man, it's not just, oh, I went through this transformation. No, I'm talking about, I am so ready for more miracle signs and wonders. So I'll tell you a couple before I get to one that I'll consider the big one. So one of them was, um, I had realized that I want to hold a space for black women elders to unburden themselves. And I thought about this several weeks ago. I thought about it on one day, went to brunch with a friend. She mentioned something about another older black woman. And I'm like, oh, it just solidifies. So I told her, I want to hold this kind of space. And it was like, man, that would be a great idea. And so it was just there. And what happens when I get these things that I know are a thing is I don't have to do anything with them. Part of my life has been like gathering puzzle pieces. Just because I think something, see something, hear something doesn't mean it's going to be implemented right away. So I put that puzzle piece in, it just kind of, it was there. And I knew that it would gain momentum or steam or support as time went on. So I'm sitting with it. And then I got this like nudge, this urge, this thing I get when I know this is the thing I'm supposed to do. I put it out on Facebook, on my personal stuff. And I said, hey, this is, this is, the, this is, this is what I want to do. And it's an opportunity for the community to rally around our elders. So if you want to support it anyway, holler at me. And I had some, some feedback, you know, people saying, oh, I can do this. Oh, I can do this. I will love the disc. Keep me posted. Keep me posted. All good. As I write the post before I post it, I let my husband read it. He's like, yep, that's good. And I said, should I do a picture for attention? And he's like, yeah. So I started looking through pictures to use. And I thought about using a picture of my mom and her best friend from when they were here for Thanksgiving. It's just a really nice picture of them. But I felt like an immediacy. And I didn't want to take the time to call them and ask for permission to use their picture. So I just used a picture of my grandmother who passed away. And um, at the bottom, I said, I wish my grandmother, in parentheses, pictured, um, was here to receive this love. But yours can be. And I posted it. So then I started getting all the replies. Well, my mother did not see this posted, but she texted me and she said, hey, You know, today's the anniversary of your grandmother's death. I just can't remember if it was 2016 or 2017. And I was like, it was 2016. The girls were babies. And then it dawned on me, like, 
quote unquote, what are the chances, right? Like I, I had been sitting on this thing for weeks. All of a sudden I get this, this like, do it now. And then I use her picture and it was almost like a tribute. I wasn't thinking consciously like, oh, this was the anniversary of her, of her death. And so it's things like that, y'all, that like, I am recognizing, and I w- I can't think of the other example that I was going to give y'all, but it is the thing of like, just be like, I was working too hard. And I realized I don't have to work hard to be profound or wise. I don't work hard to, I don't have to work hard to say the right words. Just be the vessel I've always been. Just be, right? So that's that. So here we go. Um, Here's the big story. This, this, like, I still get chills just thinking about it. So um, I was in this accident, car accident uh, in November of 2020. And If you want to hear about it, you can go back to episode 42 of my podcast. It's called The Nature of Trauma. It's one of the most listened to podcast episodes that I have. Because I talk about this experience. It was very traumatic for me. And I talk about like what that was like for me and how trauma manifested. But real quick, I was on my way from Detroit to Cincinnati. I'd gone with my daughters to visit my mom. It was right after the presidential election. So y'all know that like racial tension was high. I was driving and long story short, this truck tries to go around me and they ended up uh, hitting the side of my car. And like the car, um, I was in my husband's car, which was a white SUV, and it left this very long black smudge paint. Um, I want to call it a scar, but it's not a scar, like whatever, on the side of the car. So if you want to know more about all the shit that went down, please go listen to episode for episode 42, Nature of Trauma. But it left this very visible mark on this car. Now, a few months ago in the middle of the drought, when I tell y'all, like, it was like, <laughs> it, it, it was, it was coming. So my car, my car, which is not that car stopped working. And, you know, I work mostly from home. So we haven't gotten it fixed yet. Plus financial drought. I can't get it fixed. So I've been driving Jay's car when I have to go somewhere. And this, every time I see the mark on the side of the car, it evokes some sort of like shame It's not as much that it like, I don't go through like a trauma response because of it, but there is the shame that arises that it's like, oh, it reminds me of the incident, Eh." but it's also like, man, I hate that this happened in his car. Like now he has to drive around with this mark on the car. I have to drive around with this mark on the car and like my office is in the front of our house. So anytime he leaves while I'm working, he backs out of the driveway and it's, and it's on the driver's side. And I just see this mark and I hate it. Um, a few weeks ago, I went through the drive through of some restaurant and the boy, who, like I say boy, because he was like a teenager who was working in the, the drive through window even said to me, Ooh, can I ask you what happened? <laughs> like this mark is pronounced. So about a week or so ago now, Um, I only go into my other, my office outside of my home one day a week. It's Thursdays. I go to my office. I see a client, a couple of clients, and I get ready to leave. I lock up my office. And as I'm walking to Jay's car, 
the mark is gone. And I, I, I stop in my tracks and I'm like, so now I'm like, what the, what? So when this first happened, we obviously tried to get the mark off. And it became evident that none of our solutions to get it off were going to work unless we took it to like a body shop and get it removed and buffed and all of that stuff. Jay said it wasn't a priority for him. Like, it's fine. And so we didn't do that. So I walk out and the mark is gone. Like, it's not without damage. Like, you can still see that like, something happened but you definitely can't tell from a distance and the 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 oh the the yeah and in that moment like I didn't try to make sense of it I just like I I I noted it it was a little off-putting like what the okay I noted it and that was it well then if that was Thursday the following Sunday I went with a friend and I and we went out we were hanging out And as we were heading back to her car, there was a family loading in their car. And like, I literally just saw like a person wipe. They had a white SUV, not the same kind. They just wiped something like it was like dust. They wiped dust off of the, off of the car. And it reminded me that the mark was gone. And this is what I heard. Spirit said to me, the evidence of the traumas are being wiped away. The evidence of the traumas are being wiped away. And it just, (laughs) it, in that, that moment, it like all came, like the way I would respond to so many things, it was starting to be wiped away. Those trauma responses and all those things But what I appreciate is that legit, it's a physical sign. So what I did, and I'm like, Jay, I know we had to take a picture of this car. And we did. I have a picture from the day I got back from out of town with the, the, from the accident. And I have a picture of what it looks like today. And, And there's the part of me that keeps wanting to be like, Carla, are you making this up? No, I'm not making it up. And so miracles, signs, and wonders. I'm sharing because I'm not the only person who has some miracle signs and wonders going on in their life. You might just think you crazy. You might think you overlooked it. I mean, I sat there and was like, did this happen over time? (laughs) Like, was it slowly going away? And I'm just now noticing there's something. Yeah, we want to find a way to wrap our minds around it. But sometimes you're just not going to be able to do that. Where are the miracle signs and wonders in your life? Where I'm going to close is this shift, this freedom, these miracle signs and wonders, where it has really left me was where it's, it's full circle. Like nowhere that I am, what am I saying? I feel like I've been told so many things could be possible and things about my life, but I just couldn't believe it. And I am now to the point where I feel like I have the space away from the chains to reevaluate so many things. 
you know, we live in a culture and I feel like I'm constantly inundated with all the ways I could show up, right? All the ways I could market myself and my business, all the ways that, you know, I can do things. And then on the other hand, what I notice is um, how few likes my videos get, how I had someone text me (laughs) earlier this week. He is someone I've been working with. Um, You know, I do training and stuff for them and consultation and coaching for years. And he texted me and said, hey, I was going through your YouTube looking for a video and your views and subs are criminally low for how awesome your content is. And I'm like, I know, right? I look at those things and before it used something used to pull on me, I need to do better. And what I realize now is, no, I am doing and being exactly where I'm supposed to be. I'm gonna have to do a whole nother podcast on the woman king. <laughs> but I will just say I went to see the, the movie. I laughed. I cried. I yelled. I did all the things. I'm going back to watch it again um, by myself to to soak up some more of it but there was just one point and it's not really a spoiler to the movie but there was just one point where they were talking about the size um of their army compared to another army and i i heard so quickly you don't need a large following and that has settled in my spirit so much that now i tried you know it was i was kind of faking it time make it made it about the numbers before um you know, don't focus on the numbers. It's okay. Now I genuinely, they don't matter. When I first started my business and I made this very awful um, website, <laughs> A plus for effort. It was really bad, y'all. Um, it didn't have no SEO. It was crazy. I just didn't know what I was doing. But this is what Spirit told me all those years ago. Just be able to be found. Those who are supposed to be with you will be with you. Those who are supposed to find you will find you. And what I've come to realize in the last couple of days, this was like sitting (laughs) today, actually sitting at my son's soccer game. I have been guided by spirit, ancestors, universe, whatever we want to call it. I have been guided to so many places to post things on this certain thing. How I found out about all the different like trainings I've taken. None of it is because there've been billboards around. I have been guided there. And if I truly believe that all the universe will conspire, then all I got to do is just trust. Well, if I believe that for me, why don't I believe that people who are who need to be with me will be guided towards me? And so I do. So I do. So I have a whole new perspective on marketing and all of this stuff. No, just keep doing what I'm doing. And as I was settling into that, three things happened to me this week. Three different people have said things to me and it's like, that's it. One person, um, I finished a call with them, a coaching call. And they said, I feel loved. The other, I was hanging out with a friend. I met one of her family members that I haven't met before. And it, that's it. Like it wasn't nothing deep. We, we went on our, our sunset cruise she hugged me. Said, nice to meet you. She hugged me and she whispered in my ear, thank you for loving my family. 
And then the third, I, I, I caught up with a friend that I hadn't talked to in a few years, uh, for a few years last week, this week, he messaged me and said that the, the biggest thing he took away from our call last week is when I said to him, I wish I had known he had gone through something so I could be there for him and how loved he felt. And that's it, y'all. I love well. That's it. I love well. And that has made all of the previous thoughts about getting my name out there, marketing better, getting more likes, putting out more content. It's put it in perspective. Just love well. I love well. That's been my journey. I'm sure there are things I'm going to be like, oh, I didn't, I didn't tell them this and this and this. I've said what I'm supposed to say. <laughs> um, I trust. I trust, I trust, I trust. I lean into the knowing that I am a vessel. I am fire. And I love well. One of the ways in which I love well <laughs> is um, if you are listening consistently, you've heard some of my story times. I'm doing my healing circle starting October 3rd through November 7th, every Monday, 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern, virtually, called Sticks and Stones, Exploring the Words That Became Beliefs. It is going to be the most amazing time. And I can say that, and I don't even know what's going to happen. I don't even know what I'm going to do because I trust that much. But I love well, it's free. There are only 12 spots. Some of those spots are already taken. But in the midst of all of this, I, I, I felt it. And it said, mm, this needs to be as accessible as possible. So finances, money is no longer a barrier for anyone who wants to come and explore how the things that have been said to, about, and around us have nestled into our bodies and into our minds and into our spirits and how we're living out those things and how we can develop a process and a toy box to explore those things. If that's you and you wanted to do it and you went and looked and you were like, oh, this is $500. And let me tell you, it would have been worth every single penny, but now it is free. And that is one way that I love well. I want to say that I love you, my listeners. Just take a moment to think about how you got to this podcast. Every time I look at the numbers, we're almost at 50,000 streams, downloads, listens, 50,000. That's 50,000 times people had to intentionally come to this podcast. How did you get here? It wasn't because you saw it on a billboard, right? You were guided here. And I am grateful for you. And I love you. And I know for some people that's hard because the people who are in your life who were supposed to love you, love you well and love you without conditions, they didn't. So it sounds crazy to think that someone who may have never actually physically seen you or know you, that they can say they love you and mean it, but I mean it. And if you are at all um, a faithful listener to the podcast or know me in any way, you know I mean it. And so I thank you. Thank you for listening to my heart. Thank you for listening to my journey. 
um, I am grateful to share it. And I'm excited to walk in, through, and out the life that I've been walking towards. I don't even think I'm going to do my traditional ending today. I just want to say that um, I genuinely do love y'all. I hope that I get to journey with some of you all through sticks and stones. And I hope that until we connect again, you all be well.